Hallelujah. It is a new day. It is good to see everybody here this morning. And as you're uh, finding a seat, we're going to have a wonderful day. I- I'm so glad that you chose to be here because, know it or not, it's not a coincidence. I believe that each one of us has a choice and God has put you in the right place at the right time this morning. I hope that you had a wonderful week and I hope this coming week is even going to be better. When I said that, did you say, I believe too? Or did you say, I hope so too? All right. Well, it's good to have Lisa and Homer back off of the cruise and... uh, we have some people that are in the cruise, right, are on a cruise ship right now. Uh, we have people that are getting out of the hospital. We got people traveling, so we'll we'll pray for them that everything's going well. I know that uh, um, not to get into any of the details of things, but we just continually pray for those that are not here, and I know that their desire is to be here. And uh, there, there's just some great things on the horizon. Uh, let's begin in prayer. Father, today, God, we, we want to be challenged to go deeper with you. And Father, I pray that as the, the message goes forth, that you have helped me prepare and, Father, spoken into my life, challenged me, that, God, that your Holy Spirit now would challenge all of us. And, Father, after this message, that we would leave with more than just information, but, God, the ability to apply that information to our lives. That's what we pray. In your name, we ask this. Amen. Amen. You know, when when you study the Bible, you know, and, and you realize in the New Testament, being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from following Him. Do you know that? Do, do you also realize being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus? In the New Testament, it is so amazing to realize that the first believers were people that took the first step in just listening. And then beginning to say, you know what? Then I will put my faith into who Jesus says that He is. It was, it, was a, it was a baby step that He would be enticing them to say, hey, just follow me. Just listen to the words that I'm speaking so many times we get in a place where we try to make it into something that we've got to we've got to memorize so many scriptures and we've got to do all this and if we're not then we're, we're I don't know I really don't know where I'm at with God. And the thing that I'm going to be talking today is we're in the series ninety and over the the course of really ninety days what we're encouraging you to do is read the Gospel of Mark and as we get closer and closer to Easter we're going to take a journey through Jesus's life and ministry. And in short years, just three short years, he begins to change the world by just the words that he's speaking, the miracles that he's performing in people's lives that are being changed and transformed. And when you when you study the, the beginnings of really the church, the believers, you, you realize that they're, they're small business owners. We know that there's men and women that follow Jesus. We know that there's white collar and blue collar. We know that there's IRS agents that follow Jesus. Fishermen. All kinds of trades follow Jesus. And this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some of the first believers. And what came of that, of them 
being able to make the choice for themselves, just like you and I, if we're going to not only become believers in who Jesus is, but actually choose to follow Him. Here's where we are in the series 90. Is The first week we talked about John the Baptist kind of being the forerunner. He's the opening act. And he's in a place that takes most people from Jerusalem a day's travel to get to him. I mean, this isn't just around the corner. This isn't convenient. Most people had to either pack a lunch or, or even start early and, and all the things that went on. They, they were enticed because the word of, uh, word of mouth began to spread and it said that everybody was going out to him. Maybe an exaggeration, maybe not. But when people began to hear that John the Baptist, this guy is out in the middle of nowhere in the wilderness at the Jordan River and he's baptizing and he's preaching a message of repentance of sin that wasn't in the temple, that wasn't even in a place where a priest was, or not a priest, but a, a synagogue leader, a religious leader, a Pharisee or Sadducee. That, that it, was a, it was a different kind of world that was being set up. And people would listen to that and they go, who is this? And what is he doing? You mean he's actually manhandling somebody into the water? Because as we talked about the first week, that wasn't custom. It was something that somebody would actually go and you could say dunk themselves. And how John the Baptist was continually preaching and pointing to Jesus that he was so great that he didn't even have the ability, really didn't even have the position to, to tie shoes. And then the day came that Jesus came on the scene and said to John, I want you to baptize me. What, what, what? Me? And we saw that through that whole experience of John the Baptist that Jesus came on the site and came into the world to say, it's a new day. I'm going to create something brand new. It's not a 2.0. It's, it's not A and now I'm going to do B. It's, it's brand new. People began to scratch their heads, but they were enticed to listen to just maybe a little bit more. Then we, we said last week is, you know, most of the times when you get a grand introduction like John did to Jesus, that you would have thought Jesus would have taken the stage and told John, you can go behind the curtain. Now it's my turn. But the word of God says he kind of takes a left hand turn and he goes out into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he really goes without food. And we talked about how he was hungry and it was like he was in the weakest point of, you know, somebody's life, the the, the mortal part of Jesus. And, and he was almost like telling the tempter, give it your best shot. And we walked through how the beginning of Jesus' ministry, even to the Garden of Gethsemane, there was always a temptation to do his own way instead of doing the way that God had sent him to do. The enemy said, look at all the splendor of all the kings on kingdoms of the earth I have the authority all you have to do is bow down to me and I'll give it to you and we talked about in this series how we have that same temptation constantly in our life are we going to do the things that God has asked us to do are we going to say you know what that's a little harder than I thought I'm going to do it my way and this morning I want to start at a place where this is an amazing time and Jesus comes back into the place where people see him after the wilderness, after the enemy leaves him, it says, for an opportune time to come back and tempt. 
And it says that Jesus goes throughout all the area. And really in our modern time, it would say that Jesus was trending. I mean, the word began to be, it's like a virus that spread throughout the countryside. And and this morning, I'm going to read out of the book of Luke, because it's amazing that when you read, as I said before, Matthew and Mark and Luke have a lot of things that parallel each other. But something about Luke that has a tendency to give a little bit of detail, a little bit more of a a colorful sense of the details that bring some things to light. I'll, I'll kind of compare Matthew for a minute and then I'll show you about this. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says that news about him, Jesus, spread throughout the whole countryside and he was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. If you read verse 36, it goes on to say that he's healing people. And, and, and I'll say this in a minute in verse 40. But, but this is a part that's amazing. In one passage, it says that he cast out demons. And the demons would come out and go, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You're the Son of God. Now, just think about it. If you're in that setting, would not the hair on the back of your neck stand up? When the evil spirit is calling out to what you thought was a man, the demons are declaring, you're the Son of God. Now, this morning, this isn't my sermon, but I just want to kind of get you thinking about something. How in the world did they know He was the Son of God? Here's my assumption. This is John Miller. I realized that when the enemy, that Satan fell from heaven, it says that he took a third of the angels with him. Those were the demons that now are, that were on the earth and are on the earth. And, and when they go out to test the spirits, as the spirits say, can you imagine here's a demon and he's possessed this guy and all of a sudden Jesus comes on the scene and they go to test the spirit and they think, uh-oh, I remember him. He's the Son of God that was in heaven. Now, all the people are hearing this, and it's constant that this is the phrase. People were hearing, and it was spreading all through the countryside. He's becoming famous. In Luke chapter 4, verse 38, it says that there's a man named Simon Peter. What we believe is this is a a man that is not a disciple at the time. But he does have a mother-in-law. And she happens to be sick. And so Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. And and they ask Jesus after church, can you go over to Simon Peter's house? Because his mother-in-law is sick in bed. And so Jesus chooses to go to Simon Peter's house. And the mother-in-law recovers. I love this lady because she gets up and begins to wait on Everybody in the house. She's a server. And this is where you just begin to see that people begin to look and go, what? Who is this guy? If you look at the same chapter in Luke chapter 4 verse 40, it says, at sunset. Now, now, have you ever wondered why it says at sunset? It was because it was the Sabbath the day before and the Pharisees and the religious leaders were so suffocating that they thought you can't even heal somebody. You can't do that on the Sabbath. 
so that the people that were sick and people that had sick relatives and friends, they even waited, you know, sundown. We don't want anybody to see us taking our sick people to Jesus. And it says in that passage, all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying on his hands on each one, he healed them. Again, do you think this is adding or taking away to his popularity? It's adding to. People are beginning to be even more curious. And they see people that have been healed, I'm sure, and go, weren't you the guy that was bent over? Weren't you the guy that had this illness or this illness and now it doesn't look like you have it? Man, you can't believe what happened to me. They didn't have to prod for a testimony. I'm sure these people were telling everybody that they came in contact. They they had seen something. They had been changed. And now it became obvious by their talk. All of this is setting the stage for what we're talking about today. See, Jesus is going to come into a group of people and he's going to ask them in a personal way, come follow me. Now, when you're growing up in the church and you read this, uh, Matthew says it, and a lot of times Mark says it, in a way that you go, what? Who would do that? And in the, the passage in Matthew is found in Matthew also chapter 4, verse 20. It says that when Jesus comes and sees them by the seashore with their, their boats fishing after the fish, He just goes up to them and says, follow me, and they leave everything and follow Him. Did anybody ever wonder, who does that? What? You want me? Okay, I'll follow. Good luck, Dad, with the business. But Luke, again, being a doctor, I think he's a little bit more detailed and he begins to tell us the scene and the more that you study it, you begin to understand what is happening. I'm so glad for Luke. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gensineret, the people who were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, now listen to this. Uh, before we go on, I want you to understand that faith begins with information. Christianity is an informed faith. If you can't question it, if somebody says, don't even question it, you, you need to wonder. But following does not begin with belief. Because even John the Baptist, remember, said when Jesus came in, he said, look. If if people just tell you, just believe. When you go through the dark times, and and the Bible says that there are going to be days of trouble that come in all of our lives. That is the point where people that say, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm just believing. I don't have a scripture to stand on, I'm just believing. When the tough times come, that's when they fall. That's when they say, you know, I don't get this. And here they are in their listening. In the, and it says here, here's where I want to start in verse 2 of chapter 5. It says, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now again, let me just give you some background. It's mid-morning. Fishermen would fish all night when it was cool because during the heat of the day, the fish would go lower and lower. You couldn't catch fish with a net and casting it out. So here they are, and they've already cleaned their nets. It says in verse 3, He got into one of the boats, 
the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. I want you to see this because this is something that has changed my life. This is the first ask that Jesus did to Peter. Can I just use your boat? Think about it. The relationship on Peter's decision could have been, no, you're not using my boat. And you got that right. It's my boat. But but I wonder if Peter is thinking about all the things that he's heard about Jesus and all the things that are happening in his own life. And he goes, what? He says, okay. See, in the book of Luke, it says that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all listening. When Jesus comes and uses the boat, presses out a little bit into the water to use it as a platform. Probably the water is a magnifier as he begins to speak. And people wanted to hear in that time. So they probably would edge up a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. So the boat being offshore gave a little bit of a distance. But at the same time, people could hear what he said. Being in a boat, he was probably a little bit higher than everybody else on the shore. And they could see more clear. Now here's where Jesus is going to give him a baby step. And here's the beginning of my message in challenging you that God is asking you to take a step in your life. And as I continue on into this sermon and in this series, I want you to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to say, God, what is it that you're speaking in my life? What is that next step in my life that I've been hesitating? Because truthfully, a lot of us that are Christians will allow our Christianity and our belief system to become a little bit boring, a little predictable. And if it makes sense to you, if you do not have faith for something, if you're not believing God for something in your life, really there is no need for faith. And it's hard to be faithful when you don't need faith. When God asked Peter, he's going to say, Peter, I want you to take a little baby step. And I know that the first step was, can I use your boat? And Peter said, well, you know what? Okay. You can use mine. But then in verse 4 it says, he says, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. This is the second time that he's going to ask Peter to take a step. It's simple, except one thing. They've already cleaned their nets. They've already put a lot of work into cleaning it. They've already put up today's job and they're looking forward to tomorrow. So when Jesus asks them something, all of a sudden, boom, what happens in Peter's life and those fishermen's life is what happens in our life. Jesus is asking us, is there a cost that you're willing to pay for? For Peter, he's like, oh man, did you say use my boat and pull out a little bit deeper? Now that exaggeration was mine, but you can read into what you say here in a minute. It says in verse, if I had my glasses, I'm pretty sure it says five. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. In other words, we're exhausted. We washed our nets, we got them all ready. And then he goes on to say, and we haven't caught anything. Now, now I want you to think with me. 
When, when we get to that place and, and we begin to fight, we, are we going to do the next thing, the next step in our life for God? Is it not true that we begin to reason in our mind why we shouldn't do that? Could Peter have been thinking, this is a fishing community. Everybody knows you don't fish during the day. They're watching Jesus. And besides, you're a carpenter. You're not a fisherman. Do you understand? We don't do it during the day. Here's something, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down. We need to work on being stronger than our strongest excuse. <laughs> Can I get an amen from our people out there? I'm telling you. Come on, help me out here. When we get in a place where God is saying, Can you take a step? What we do is we go, I just, you know what? And give me a few minutes and I'll come up with an excuse why I shouldn't. And I hope that you're not thinking it's condemnation from a pastor to the congregation because the pastor is dealing with it in my life as much as anybody here. The path of least resistance is always more attractive. He says, we haven't caught anything. But listen to this. This is a pivot in his life. He says, but because you. Remember he said, master, we, that that word master is a title. It, it's a, a title, but it, it's uh, this is how far I can go. But here he goes, because of it, it's you. And, and I wonder if he isn't saying, well, you know what? You gave to me, you healed my mother-in-law. We don't know exactly if Peter was happy about that or not. Apparently he was. But he says, because it, is you asking, okay, I'll do it. I will let down my nets. Now, th this is a critical point in the story because they didn't know what hung in the balance of this decision, this choice. And they couldn't have known that, that if they would have said, no, there's a possibility that all these guys would have been just like everybody else through history. Nameless. Maybe forgotten. First century fishermen that did their job, lived life and passed away. But, but Peter would never know at this point what that decision, that choice to say, yes, I will do what you asked me to do would come about. Let's fast forward to 1500s, okay? Have, has anybody been to St. Peter's Basilica? Any, anybody in here been there before? I, I was lucky enough to go uh, in 2018. Do we have some pictures of that? Look at this thing. Th this, this building is amazing. Because we went to the Colosseum and we looked and it, it's crazy. You're like, wow! Go to the Vatican and you're like, amazing! But you go to St. Peter's and you go, there's no way this was done back then. I don't even know if we could build, how'd they build a building today like that? And what's even more amazing is if you know where this, do we have any inside pictures? Do you have any inside? Look at this thing. 
There's people that want to lay down on the floor and they could get up, get up, get up. No, look at that. Actually, hundreds of thousands of people every year go to this almost like a pilgrimage to go to this as an honor of St. Peter. But here's what a lot of people don't know. That was built over Nero's uh, circus. That was where they believed that a lot of the early Christians, well, they, they know that a lot of the early Christians were actually persecuted and uh, martyred for the namesake of Jesus Christ. They, uh, Nero would torture the believers by uh, crazy stuff like putting tar on their head and lighting them on fire, uh, putting animals' uh, skins on Christians and setting them out in the, the uh, arena where wild animals would come and eat them in front of the crowd that's watching. Years later, out of honor to Peter, that will be mowed down and this will be built in honor. And it all begins on what would he do when God asked him to take just a baby step. Can I say this? You don't know what or who hangs in the balance of your decision to take the next step of obedience in your life. Say it again. She's writing it down. You don't know what or who hangs in the balance of your decision to take the next step of obedience. The next step in following Jesus. It says... When they had done so, it didn't say when they believed so. It says, but when they did so, when they actually did what Jesus said, again, intersection of faith and obedience, everything changed. It says, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Now listen to this in verse 9. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It says then, when Simon Peter saw, he cried out, We are rich! We, haven't, we don't have to work for weeks. Immediately, Peter offered Jesus a seven-year contract of 30% ownership of the company with a seven-year non-compete upon termination of the contract by either party. Peter's only concern was would the business be scalable? Fish, scalable. Some people haven't read their Bible in a while and they're going, that's in the Bible? No, I just made that up. Christianity is informative. Now it says this. And filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. That there's a difference between masters, a title, but Lord is a sign and a title of authority now in his life. Why would he say, Go away from me? Why wouldn't he say, come on, let's go? 
What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I'm following. Why, why would he say, go away from me? Because the next passage says, he says this out of his mouth. Can you believe this? Would any of us do this? Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. The reason why we know that Peter did that is because he had the assumption, like a lot of us, if we're not careful, that God doesn't want to have anything to do with people that sin. And Jesus came to reverse that whole mindset. I'm so glad, aren't you? I said, aren't you? Wow. In the next verse, it says, for he and all his companions were astonished. Aren't you glad that they put that in? Because I was wondering astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and Simon, which was Simon's partners. It says, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. And why would he say that? Because it's going to be continually through his ministry that he has to say, don't be afraid. Because they just experienced something that in the natural, that they were used to expecting. When Jesus came on the scene, the thing that they assumed was going to happen, boop, took another turn. So when Jesus says, don't be afraid, let me just tell you guys, don't get all upset about something because this is going to be common. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, from now on. In other words, I wonder if Jesus had a big smile on his face. He goes, oh, you think this is cool? You think fish tricks are cool? You just wait. I got a plan for you boys. You're going to be on the front seat. Your eyes are going to be big as saucers more than once. He says, from now on, you will fish for people. In other words, let's go change the world. It says, so they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything. When you know the end of the story, which we won't go to too much, but you know that they will die with no thing, but with no regret. Wow, how could they do that? Because they would become world changers. Like you and I can do. And what we're doing as believers. And so many times we get to that place and we go, you know what, that is an amazing story. I would have liked to be there. To be honest with you, Pastor, if Jesus would do something for me like that, if he would do a fish trick for me, I would be a believer. I would sell out. I would, I would, I would just, I would, I would put all this stuff behind me and I would just say, okay, let's go. Let me give you an idea because Peter, his life was changed because of what he saw in the fish trick, you know, and all that, and how that was amazing, how God did that through the authority of being the Son of God. But Peter would have said, if you think that's something, did, did, did you read my letter? I'm not talking about the Bible. I, I'm talking about the letter that I wrote the early church, the new believers, which later would become part of the Bible. We call it First Peter. Peter would say, did you read it? Come on now. If you think fish tricks are that cool, did, did you read what I said in First Peter? Let, let me read it to you this morning, church. In First Peter chapter 2, Verse 23 and 24, it says this. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. Peter is saying, I 
saw it with my own eyes. Have, have you guys ever seen a crucifixion? I did. It says, when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins. Instead of the sin that had separated man from God, he's saying, now there's an opportunity for us to cross that bridge, which is Jesus, to not be separated from a loving Father. He goes on, Peter, to say, and to live for righteousness. In other words, we have the ability now to live in right standing. Therefore, when we behave, the reflection of the righteousness that's coming off us is to glorify the Father. It says, by His wounds, you. He says, us. By His wounds, you have been healed. You've been restored. We were broken. But now Jesus coming onto the scene has redeemed. He has bought us back. He has put us in right standing. He has fixed it better than new. And it's by our choice that we answer the question that He gives to all of us. Will you follow me? Peter's simple act of trust. The, the, the baby step. Will you let me use your boat? Will you let me go with you a little bit out deeper into the water? Will you let down your net? Can we make it personal? What's your next step? Because maybe you've gotten to a place where you said, well, I've read the Bible. I, I, I go to church. I confess that I'm a Christian. But for some of us this morning, it might be that you're coming back to faith. You, you might have not said that Jesus isn't God, but you might just be like, you know what? He's not going to borrow my life. He's not going to borrow my stuff. Maybe for some of you, the next step is reconciling a relationship that has been broken. And somebody might have done you wrong. Nobody's saying that you're the one wrong. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. But the next step that God is asking you to do is reconcile that relationship that has been uh, broken and you're saying, you know what? If they want to have a relationship, they can come and ask my forgiveness. Or I'll, I'll forgive them when I'm ready. For some of you, it might be really purity. You're doing something in a relationship or in your life that you need to break. You need to quit. Maybe, maybe you're dating and you need to just say, you know what, I'm not going to date for a year. I'm just going to, I'm going to get away from that. I'm not going to do that. What is it? You know, maybe there's even 
some here today. That God is asking you to stretch in your giving and letting go of your stuff. You know, it's it's one thing to become a believer and then another thing to trust God is the Son of God with your stuff. God, how am I going to make it if I do what you've asked me to do in my giving? And then you come over here and you go, aren't you a carpenter? You're not a financial expert, Jesus. Don't you realize that it takes a lot more money than back in the A.D., you know, when you were walking on earth? Jesus, you didn't have kids. I have kids and they need to eat. What is, what is the baby step? What, what is the next step in your life that God has been asking you to stretch and say, you know what, I can go a little deeper. Because here's what I know. Is we don't know what hangs in the balance or who hangs in the balance of our choice. Of what's coming next in our life. And I want to encourage you to take that step. Let's pray. Father, today you're a loving Father. And Father, you don't come into our life to condemn and convict us. But God, to give us free choices and a free will to serve you and to love you. And Father, I, I pray that the fear that the enemy would love to put on us of being people that are obedient to what you've asked us to do. God, we come against the, the temptation to be selfish. And God, we come against the reasoning in our mind that we know the best. We come against the reasoning and the excuse giving that we're going to be just fine the way that it is without taking that step. And Father, our hope and our, our, our joy and our, our happiness and God, our contentment comes. God, when we're following you and watching you do things in our life that we could never even dream or imagine. God, as we sang this morning, that we are not going to believe in the things that we see or feel or words that have been spoken over us. If it doesn't line up with your word, God, we refuse that in our life. But God, that item, that that word that has been spoken over our life that is written in your word God that we take notice of that we apply to our life that we might go even deeper with you Father I pray for my friends and family here today that God means so much to me Father blessings on their life God that they might see greater things than they could have even thought or imagined just like Peter in the disciples' life, because they chose to follow you. In your wonderful name, I pray. Amen. Amen.